1: with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of david they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom as for the enemies of freedom those who are potential adversaries they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the american people we will negotiate for it sacrifice for it we will not surrender for it Now or ever, we are Americans.
0: This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Franz.
2: Yes, indeed. Good morning. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we're rolling already. It is the 11th morning this Tuesday. Of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And coming up this morning on the program, we've got two great guests. Coming up at 1010, you probably already know. That's why you're here on Tuesdays. You don't tune in to listen to Always Right. You tune in to listen to Peter Kersenow on Tuesdays. Peter will be with us at the top of the next hour at about 1010. Very much looking forward to what he has to say about a host of issues, including rationed health care as it pertains to covid by race, under direct order of the Biden administration. You heard that correctly. The Biden administration is going to ration health care based on race. So if you're the wrong color, according to the Biden administration, you may not have life-saving medical care, provided to you or made available to you because you're the wrong color and you have to stand in line behind somebody else who is a different color, who even if they are not in as dire of a circumstance as you are, may not be as sick as you are, is entitled, is entitled. One might even say privileged, much more privileged than you to receive that health care. That's right, race-based rationing of health care. Peter now is going to be talking about that, I promise you, at 1010. At 935, though, coming up here in about a half an hour, this is astounding. I had a meeting yesterday, a virtual meeting with some of my uh, team members at Citizens for Free Speech, as we prepared and planned the next Ohio uh, webinar, uh, in which we address, of course, all kinds of issues affecting free speech, affecting our First Amendment and our rights, and protecting our children is our latest very specific mission. And... Um, so I met with uh, some of our prevent- presenters, Linda Harvey and uh, Jonathan Broadbent. Diane Stover was on as well. Dan Ramada, my a, uh, a co-leader uh, uh, of the Ohio chapter of Citizens for Free Speech. And we're talking about the protecting kids in schools against critical race theory, against critical gender theory, against critical queer theory, and all kinds of other things. That's coming up next month, by the way. Uh, anyway, we, we were talking about, the need for parents to really, really start to come around and embrace until there is full school choice made available in the state of Ohio. Until school choice is a reality and parents, you know, can have the dollars that are set aside for their children to go to the public school so that those dollars follow the child if they want to go into a private school. And that, by the way, may not be the answer either considering the number of woke private schools there are now, including Catholic schools, which are completely abandoning their mission as Catholic institutions. But until school choice becomes available and you can shop for a better school, parents better start really thinking about homeschooling options. And here's an example why. Coming up at 9.30, we're going to talk to Jane Robbins, who writes for The Federalist. Jane just wrote a piece About 500 school districts who have publicly announced that only woke teachers need apply. The skyrocketing wokeness of administrators who control teacher hiring will ensure all classrooms are increasingly devoted not to education, but to indoctrination. And, again, this is what we spoke about yesterday in our little meeting. It's what we're going to address in a big way in our uh, uh, February 16th uh, CFFS Ohio webinar, but we're going to address it today at 935. We're going to talk about what this means, how they are going to evaluate teacher hires when there are openings and uh, you know, applications and resumes are received and considered. How are they going to evaluate by level of wokeness? Are they going to have... Um, Affirmative action statistics quotas: a certain number of people who are uh, either gay or trans or non-binary or gender fluid or black but think they're white or white that think they're black or I mean I mean I'm not trying to make light of this. I mean this is all reality. This is what we're dealing with right now. When we talk about wokeness, <clears throat> people who are going to push fiction and treat it as historical fact like the 1619 project are they going to be given preference in hiring uh, if they're history teachers or heck even if they're math teachers pushing the 1619 project and the fiction is something that isn't just limited to history classes it's a big deal so we're going to talk to uh, the federalists Robin, uh, Jane Robbins rather coming up at 935 Peter Kirshenow at 1010 and of course I invite you to call and join us whenever you are ready, 216 901 or 888 281 We've got some important stuff to cover in our opening monologue, which we will do after I ask you to rise. Patriots, if you have a flag nearby, please face it. If you do or you don't, put your hand on your heart. And please, loudly, if you would, uh, join us in our Pledge of Allegiance. Biden voters, woke indoctrinators, Go ahead and take your knee alongside your favorite quarterback. We know how you feel about this country anyway.
0: For the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for
2: all. All right, 9.13 now. I want to start this morning with the extraordinary uh, collapse of the COVID narrative. The COVID narrative, the fear-mongering, the propaganda, all of it is collapsing right around us, and it's going to just start to pile up at our feet. The lies have become too much to keep up anymore. The truth is becoming too too widely known and understood to the point where the liars and the propagandists have had to say, yeah, not so much. Okay, we'll admit this. Okay, we'll admit that. I have a list here that I'm going to go through with you. I want to start with what happened last week at the Supreme Court, as the Supreme Court heard oral <coughs> arguments. Excuse me, oral arguments um, on the OSHA jab mandate by the Biden administration. As you know, of course, any employer that has 100 or more employees has to keep their entire staff vaccinated or face massive federal fines and who knows, maybe even closure of their businesses. At any rate, it's unconstitutional, it's illegal, it's insane, and the justices heard the unconstitutional, illegal, insane arguments before the court on uh, uh, last Thursday. Well, the biggest one, the biggest uh, uh, revelation to come from this is that Justice Sonia Sotomayor is not exactly the wisest Supreme Court justice we've ever had. She's not the smartest. She's not the most honest. I don't know what else you can say for her. I wonder if she wasn't more of a diversity hire than a qualified hire, given the fact that Barack Obama made such a big deal about the first female Latina on the court. Blah 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 blah. But all I know is when you have one of the nine, and and some people argue this, by the way, when you talk about most powerful people in United States government. Obviously, there's the president and there's a hundred senators. And then there are nine Supreme Court Court justices. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, not in that order, as far as the most powerful. Because laws can get passed by the Congress, and they can be signed by executives, but if they are deemed to be unconstitutional by these nine justices, then none of the rest matters. So while we certainly do have an equal, you know, three branches who are co-equal, separate co-equal branches of government, some might say that the real true power rests in the hands of justices. And this is one of those justices, a woman who either just blatantly lied or is just blatantly stupid and doesn't know the actual statistics. Sonia Sotomayor during the hearings on Thursday.
3: Counsel, those numbers show that Omicron um, is as deadly uh, and causes as much serious disease in the unvaccinated as Delta did. The numbers look at the hospitalization rates that are going on. We have more affected people in the country today than we had a year ago in January. Um, we have hospitals that are almost at full capacity with people is severely ill on ventilators. We have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in, in serious condition and uh, many on ventilators.
2: I, I could break all of this down uh, point by point and tell you that Omicron is not anywhere near as lethal as Delta, anywhere near as serious as Delta, just right out of the gate. We could talk about what the numbers are of n- n- number of people infected with colds, not with serious, deadly COVID-19 in its original form, as we know. And certainly we could break down the children part of this, which, of course, is the most egregious lie. Um, she was only off by 95,000. 97,000, actually, because there's roughly 3,000 children that are considered to be in serious condition with COVID, not from COVID, with COVID, which is something else that we have to discuss here. She said 100,000. It was 3,000, and she has not yet been corrected. Who should be responsible for correcting her? How about perhaps maybe the CDC, maybe maybe the CDC director uh, uh, Wellen
4: data ages fifteen to twenty four for example the risk of death is at zero point zero zero one percent I guess that what i 'm getting at in this opening is that the, the Supreme Court is in the process of dealing with this big issue about mandates, and do you feel a responsibility as a CDC director to correct a very big mischaracterization by one of the Supreme Court justices?
1: <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, um, here's what I'll tell you. I'll tell you that right now, seventeen. You're, if you're unvaccinated, you're 17 times more likely to be in the hospital. And That's not the
2: question, you political tool of the Biden administration. Be a doctor here, Rochelle Walensky. Answer the question. Don't you, as the chief doctor at the CDC, have a responsibility here to correct Sonia Sotomayor, one of the nine Supreme Court justices, who will decide whether or not, American citizens must take foreign toxins into their body against their will in order to be employable. Answer the question, Doctor.
3: Twenty times more likely to die than if you're on than if you're boosted. And so, what my responsibility is is to provide guidance and recommendations to protect the American people. Those recommendations strongly uh, recommend vaccination for our children above the age of five and boosting for everyone above the age of eighteen if they're eligible. I'm
2: sorry. Did you did personal you, sympathy and did, love? Did you shut up, Nancy? Nobody wants to hear from you. Did you? hear the question because the question was aren't you in a position and don't you have a responsibility to correct justice sonia sotomayor whose lie may be infecting the mindsets of millions of americans who may think that there are a hundred thousand children in hospitals and on ventilators due to covid 19 and may be rushing to their doctors or, 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 or uh, uh, shot centers to get shots in the arms of their children so they don't become one of those. Doesn't someone have a responsibility of correcting misinformation? Dr. Rochelle Walensky. One would think that if you're a physician and you are tasked with giving guidance that is uh, based on information that is accurate, that you would correct misinformation. We have people losing their social media accounts, including government officials, for posting quote-unquote misinformation as deemed by the CDC and others, the technocrats who kind of run this country, um, posting misinformation as they see it. Well, here's blatant misinformation from Sonia Sotomayor of the Supreme Court. And Dr. Walensky at the CDC, you're not
4: going to correct that? As we can find from Friday, suggests there are fewer than 3,500 current pediatric hospitalizations from COVID-19. Is that true? <laughs>
3: Yeah, but you know, here's what I can tell you about our pediatric hospitalizations. Now, first of all, and here
4: she goes again.
3: Brett Bear is not having them, it. and to vaccinate their family members around them. Understood, but the number is not
4: 100,000. It's roughly 3,500 in hospitals now. It,
3: yes, there are there, are, and in fact, what I will say, you could
2: just stop right there, stop right there, and say yes. And then follow it up with Justice Sonia Sotomayor was wrong. Either intentionally so or accidentally so, we don't know, but she was absolutely wrong. Just say it. You're responsible for providing the guidance to the American people. You are the one who is backing this mandatory or these uh, mandates on these shots. Tell the truth about what is going on. Turns out you got to look to Dr. Marty McCary to get the truth about how far off Sonia Sotomayor was. You
4: know, I really believe that Justice Sotomayor believes the statistic that she put out there. I think she honestly believes it. I think that she's abstracted that from media headlines and other, um, you know, news sources that indicate every day we're adding thousands and thousands more. I, I think she was actually more uh, like 30 fold off because if you look at the reported numbers, roughly half of them are not for COVID. They're simply with COVID. So, The number is massively exaggerated. When you're talking about somebody making a major policy decision, uh, that's concerning.
2: Exactly. You talk about a number being massively incorrect, massive misinformation. So let's go back to the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky. Let's get some truth here. Let's get some real answers. Let's talk about how COVID is really affecting people. And let's talk about COVID deaths. We have been told that there are over 820,000 Americans who have died from COVID-19. Not with, but from. Dr. Walensky, can you clarify
3: that? The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with.
2: These are people who are dying of things other than covid Four different comorbidities, 75% of the deaths. That is an astounding revelation. As is the question that was posed to Rochelle uh, uh, Walensky, the, set, the head of the Center for Disease Control, or excuse me, uh, Centers for, uh, uh, um, why am I stumbling over this now? Center for uh, Disease uh, 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 Prevention. Um the CDC is responsible for all of this, and she was asked a very simple question. Doctor, or, uh, Dr. Walensky, how many people, how many patients in the United States are dying from COVID versus dying with COVID at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention? Answer that question for us, Dr. Walensky. And unfortunately, that's the one that's not going to fire right now. Dr. Walensky's response to that, and I'll just give it to you then since I can't seem to make the audio work. Dr. Walensky uh, answered, that data will be forthcoming. Let me give it one more shot here.
4: Do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID? Or how many are with COVID, but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown?
3: Um, yes, of course, with Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry, of course, um, takes a few weeks to uh, and is, uh, takes a few weeks to collect. Um, and of course, Omicron has just been with us for a few weeks, but those data will be forthcoming. And, and Omicron is not killing people.
2: Omicron is not killing people. Let's make sure that we are clear on that part too. Omicron is a glorified cold. But here's the takeaway that I'm trying to get for you. Robin Walensky, or excuse me, Rochelle Walensky, the uh, head of the CDC, was asked how many of the 836,000 deaths that have been attributed to COVID are with COVID versus from COVID, meaning caused by COVID. And her answer was, I don't know. The data will be forthcoming means I can't answer it now by myself. I don't know. That is impossible. That's an impossibility that the person in charge of the CDC can't tell us how many of the 836,000 deaths, which continues to grow and continues to get promoted through propaganda campaigns, showing how lethal Omicron is, as well as Delta and the original uh, uh, COVID-19 virus, the China virus, for her to not know. And to let that propaganda campaign continue and make people think that there is a very good chance they're going to die if they get COVID-19 is beyond irresponsible. It is criminal. It is criminal. I've I've even got more. I won't have time for all of it, but I've got more for you. As the truth is starting to be revealed, as the lies of the people in charge of our COVID response continue to be uncovered, I'll share as much of it as I can with you on AM 1420, The Answer.
0: Welcome back to Always Right with Bob France. All right, all right, all right. On AM 1420, The Answer.
2: Correct that, Matthew McConaughey. So, what do I mean when I say it's all starting to be revealed? New Jersey. Most hospitalized COVID-19 patients in New Jersey are admitted for non-COVID reasons. They are then listed in their reports to the state health department as COVID admissions. That's right. The majority of people admitted to the hospital with COVID-19 in New Jersey were actually admitted for something else. Then while they were there, they said, hey, come here, give me your nostril. And they tested Hey! That's positive. You're a COVID-19 hospitalization. Do you see this? They've been lying to you for two years. And it's just now coming out. That was New Jersey New York. New York hospitals acknowledge half of COVID patients were admitted for different maladies. Amid endless, breathless reports across the mainstream media about the new Omicron variant, It's easy to lose sight of ever-growing evidence that the strain appears less deadly than the Delta variant that plagued the United States. Under pressure from Governor Kathy Hochul, uh, hospitals in New York have disclosed that nearly half of their so-called COVID-19 patients are not COVID-19 patients. They're patients for other reasons, and they happen to test positive for COVID-19. Completely asymptomatic. They're there for other reasons, but they're called what? In order to advance the fear campaign. The propaganda campaign. They're called COVID hospitalizations. Massachusetts. Massachusetts now differentiating between primary or incidental COVID-19 hospitalizations. In other words, for the first time, they're actually going to release numbers as to how many people are there for COVID and how many people are there for other things. And then they test them and find out they have COVID. It's all starting to come apart for the fear-mongers. And we have to continue to push, 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 push for more transparency, more sunlight on the truth. All right. That's a lot of information. I'll get Chris out to respond to some of that, too, coming up at 1010. Coming up next, though, at 935, uh, we are going to go to the Federalist and talk to Jane Robbins about woke administrators forcing woke teachers into their woke classrooms and what you as parents can do about it. That'll be coming up next on AM 1420 The Answer.
0: When the world is upside down and the majority turns to the left, turn to the right, always right. With Bob France on AM 1420, the answer.
2: Education or indoctrination? What should be the goal of our public schools? What should be the goal of our private schools, for that matter? More and more and more, we are finding out that, uh, according to the people in charge, that would be administrators and school board members. The answer is indoctrination. The latest, this is an astounding headline. Couldn't believe it. 500 school districts publicly declare that only woke teachers need apply. That's right. Administrators who are saying they are going to use some artificial intelligence software that are going to screen teaching applicants for their correct political positions and whether or not they will bring them into the classrooms. This was in The Federalist, written by Jane Robbins, who is an attorney and a retired senior fellow with the American Principles Project in Washington, D.C., and she joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, with more information. Thank you very much for the time this morning, Jane. How are you?
5: I am fine. Thank you for having me.
2: All right. Um, You know, we we spend a lot of time on our program here in Cleveland talking about um, the extraordinary danger of indoctrination using CRT, CQT, uh, CFT. We talked yesterday with Dr. Carol Swain about some of those other uh, elements of critical theory. And how they are being pushed into schools. But I have never seen anything quite like your article in which these districts are using a service, if you will, to make sure that they can find the most woke or, in other words, indoctrination oriented teachers uh, that they can for their for their vacant positions. Can you tell us more about that program?
5: Yes, the teacher pr- teaching profession has joined other professions unfortunately um, that are trying to screen out people who don't necessarily buy in to the leftist narrative of the way things ought to be and what's happening now is that that there are many many teachers in this country who are not leftist who are genuinely good teachers who are genuinely devoted to education. Um, A lot of those have left over the last 10 years with Common Core and and increased testing and and lack of safety in schools and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So those people are leaving, and they're being replaced by new candidates who come out of the very, very highly leftist education schools and if if it weren't bad enough that most of this pool of applicants is going to be liberal sort of by definition, now a lot of schools, a lot of districts are using a company called Nimble, and there may be others out there who are doing the same thing, who are using artificial intelligence to examine interview responses and, and answers to questions in, in written statements um, to make sure that they've got the, the applicant with the proper mindset so that every time a good solid teacher leaves that teacher will be replaced with someone who will follow the leftist narrative and this is in every class this isn't just in classes that that would have some political aspect to them such as history or government or something like that this is in every single class in every grade
2: That is uh, it's an astounding thing, and, and and I think we should be clear, too, uh, Jane. We are talking with Jane Robbins, uh, who wrote a terrific piece on this very important issue for the Federalist. She's an attorney. Um, I think it's important to point out that people like you and me and those those of us who are concerned about this are not suggesting that the classroom should be filled with right-wing activists or conservative activists, but that... Political persuasion and more, more importantly, political indoctrination is not something that should be going on on any side of any ideological scale. Teaching should be going on. Uh, history and legitimate history, not made up history, not invented fictional history like, like the 1619 project, but mathematics, sciences, English, uh, you know, uh, the things that, that kids are supposed to go to school to learn. That should be the focus of any teacher, uh, interview or any teacher recruitment, who can best do those things, not who can best advance a political ideology into the minds of our kids?
5: Well, that's what I believe the vast majority of parents would agree with. That's what they want. They want to send their children to a school not to be indoctrinated. They can handle politics at home. They can handle ideas and values at home. They don't need that to be pushed in the classroom one way or the other. And a good teacher is one who keeps his or her um, personal opinions out of things. Uh, even in classes where you may be discussing some current events, you should should give an objective view of things and let people talk about it. Um, but pretty much, you should be focusing on academics, on the things that, that students need to learn, what schools were created for and what they're supposed to be. But now, you people have to realize that and this is true in every state, I don't care if you're in the most conservative state or the most liberal state, all of the education schools teach the same thing. They all marinate these students in this indoctrination mindset so that they really come out of education school, many of them do, with a mission that they are going to to correct the evils of the world, and the evils are always racism and sexism and you know, anti lgbtq and all that. Um, and, and their job is to, to inculcate the correct mindsets in students in whatever way they can do it. And if they need to do it by pulling the wool over the eyes of parents or just not being completely transparent with parents, then that's what they do because the end justifies the means.
2: Yeah, and, and they're starting this at the very youngest ages, literally at kindergarten and, I don't know, maybe even pre-K. I don't know if they're screening pre-K teachers and caregivers for uh, this kind of thing or not. Um, you mentioned Nimble, uh, the company, and I want to read a quote from your article in The Federalist uh, from their CEO, Lauren Dashiel or Dashiel. She says, quote, now that we've become a little more aware of the concept of anti-racism and maybe a little more woke as a culture, I do think that districts have started to emphasize these questions a little bit more. They might be more common. They might be more explicit. Can you speak, Linda, to to anti-racism? And I think you refer to Ibram X. Kendi, who wrote the book on anti-racism, and others, you call them savvy race grifters profiting from this concept. Can you tell me more about that?
5: Yes, anti-racism is not to be confused with not being racist.
2: By the way, Jane, if, if I you, just if I just called you by a different name, I apologize. I was reading something else and I and I may have called you by my name. My apologies. <laughs> quite James. all right. Jane Robbins is my right. guest by the way. Again, she's an attorney. She wrote this piece for the Federalist. My apologies. Please continue.
5: Anti-racism is a concept that was created by, well, several people, but Ibram Kendi is is one of the the big profiteers off of the idea. And the idea is that if you are are simply not being racist and you are treating all people equally, then that means you're racist. To be anti-racist means to be an activist, to um, to take steps to try to to correct historic oppression based on race, and you do that, according to Kendi, by discriminating, and he uses the word discriminating against people who have been historic oppressors. And if that is a six-year-old white child in first grade, then that is the, the student that you discriminate against in order to correct the imbalance of the centuries. So that is what anti-racism is, and that's what they're looking for in teacher candidates, people who will put up Black Lives Matter banners in their room and who will inject the concept of race and um, race oppression and race guilt into every single lesson
2: and not just race you mentioned you know the LGBTQ movement as well we've seen you know what's what's amazing about this uh, Jane is that they're 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 very open about their intentions I've played on my uh, program uh, TikTok video clips of teachers bragging about their gender fluidity or their queerness or their, uh, what are some of the other words that they use, their non-binary status, how they decorate the room with rainbow pride flags, and they encourage their students to call them with uh, pronouns that are not accurate when it comes to grammar and that don't exist when it comes to words that aren't real words. They're out there being very, very open and saying this is your student's classroom and almost saying what are you going to do about it? And I don't know that the parents have an answer for that because it's not just in the public schools. The answer might used to have been put them in a private school if you can afford it uh, or if you can get some funding if school choice were to actually become a reality uh, to get some funding to follow the child. But but it's even happening in the private schools, Jane, Jane. It
5: is happening, especially in some of the elite private schools they have become as woke as the public schools. Now, there are a lot of good private schools, especially Christian schools or other religiously-based schools that would not be doing this, but parents can't assume that just if they move their children out into a private school that it's, that it's going to solve the problem. So one thing that people are going to have to consider, and I know that this is a daunting concept to a lot of people, is homeschooling. Um, I think that there are going to be a lot of variations on that that come about, especially as parents are seeing what's going on in the school during all the, the lockdowns and when the kids were home and they could see the lessons over the computer. Um, there may be ways to for parents to get together and create pods, to create uh, co-ops, homeschooling co-ops, so that even if you're working during the day, your child can go to a homeschooling co-op. I think that those things are going to start to blossom because the... The need is there. People are seeing what 's going on in the schools and and one thing that people ought to be demanding of their state legislators is that they, have, they pass legislation that that imposes transparency on school systems so that the parents can see everything that is being taught in the class so that they will know what 's going on.
2: I'm curious, Jane, we're talking with Jane Robbins, who wrote a wonderful piece on a very disturbing issue, which is 500 school districts publicly, openly declaring that they are going to only hire woke teachers who will advance left-wing narratives and indoctrination onto children. Um, Jane, I'm, I'm interested in how this manifests itself as the kids get older and as they become young adults. Do we have any of that yet? In other words, how long have they been pushing critical race theory principles, even if not by name of critical race theory or not by the name anti-racism. How long has this been going on and do we have any, I don't know, empirical evidence of any kind of how it is uh, shaping kids as they become young adults?
5: It has been going on for a long time. Not so much the critical theory that's been in colleges a lot and in Mm -hmm. graduate schools. Um, That has become much more open in the in k twelve over the last couple of years it 's almost hit warp speed, but the concepts the indoctrination uh, the more perhaps more subtle indoctrination uh, has been there for a long time. for example, a lot of schools have used the history book i 've used the term loosely written by Howard Zinn, The People's History of the United States. That's a very popular book in, in high school history classes. And it's the cartoon version of American history. It has absolutely no connection to reality, but that's what students have been taught. And I think that you can see what's happening. You see the polls, and you see that over 50% of of kids from 20 to 30 think that socialism might be a good thing. Well... There's a reason for that, that they have been taught in their schools that capitalism is bad, and they haven't been taught the downsides of socialism and communism, so they're starting to look at that again. You can see it with the riots that we've had over the, the last couple of years when students don't think that they need to listen to any anyone else's opinion. You see that on college campuses. They shout down speakers who present a a view that they disagree with that makes them feel unsafe I think you can look out there and see how it's already happening and it is just going to get worse
2: you know Jane um, what's so alarming about this is that right now today you can write articles and I can host radio shows and conduct interviews like this that can sound the alarm for parents it's not too late for us To try to change this as much as we can in our school boards and our administrations and so forth and with our children and give them the reality of what they, you know, of of the situation contrary to what they're being taught. In, in, in just a, a decade or two, um, the parents will be these kids these kids who are indoctrinated there will be no reaching them or they will not be reaching out to schools and saying hey you're doing this wrong they will have been taught that this is right so i guess my point is the cycle here is going to continue in perpetuity if we don't get this corrected in in the halls of of uh, academia right now and that means from k through college it, it'll That's never stop.
5: exactly right it, it's it's now or never if, if this continues for even a few more years, then it's, um, as people will sometimes say, we're doomed. Um, because the, the kids will believe that this is all true and they right. won't have any, any, um, any way of really evaluating what the truth is. The so parents need to be aware of it. I'm, I'm actually hopeful on this one as opposed to, say, the big Common Core battle. The problem with, with telling parents what was wrong with Common Core was that you had to explain it. With this, you don't have to explain it. You just say, all right, this is the lesson. Look at this. And the parents say, oh, my goodness, I had no idea. And so once parents see that, they need to get out there. They need to be at their school board meetings. They need to run for school board. They need to find good candidates because local school boards can take this back.
2: Well, you're exactly right, and that, of course, is why the School Boards Association <laughs> petitioned the federal government and the Department of Justice to declare these parents who are coming to their meetings as domestic terrorists to get them to shut up and stand aside and let the professional educators do the work here. And that, of course, is another challenge that we must uh, we must face. Jane Robbins wrote a great piece for the Federalist. She's an attorney by trade, uh, also a senior fellow, retired senior fellow, rather, with the American Principles Project in Washington, D.C., Jane, thank you so much for your article and thank you so much for your time this morning. Really enlightening stuff. Thank you
5: very much. I enjoyed it. Yes, we appreciate it. Thank you.
2: 954, quick time out. Got time for a call or two before curse now if you dial right now 216
1: 945 You can can
0: you understand the commander in chief uh in uh in libya we should be opening up the the the, the always right with bob
6: fratz i shouldn't be starting off and negotiating in public here but let me say it this way I On
0: am 1420 the answer
2: you know this wasn't planned but just listening to that little uh, bump back with uh, joe biden fumbling and bumbling and being joe biden it makes me want to play this this was, uh, this was uh, posted yesterday on social media, resurfaced video reminding us of not just how much of a liar Joe Biden is, but how much of a liar he has always been and how incompetent he has always been as well. I want you to listen to this very brief, it'll take us to the top of the hour though, but this very brief montage. Of the president, a man who is now president of the somehow got eighty-one million votes. Do you believe this when you hear this? I mean, this, this is impossible for me to believe <laughs> that uh that anybody would would uh, would buy this. Just listen.
6: Senator Joseph Biden may have more explaining to do. The new questions stem from With taped the remarks of, the of Biden
1: States. during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. Reporters.
6: Well, I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship, went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school, and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three.
0: Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight.
6: Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Joe Biden was victimized by the truth. Bye-bye Biden. He may not know (laughs) it yet, but I think this is going to be very difficult for him to recover. Is Joe Biden dead meat, yes or no? I think so. Bob.
0: Terminal condition. Terminal. Eleanor.
6: Yes, unless he comes in third in
5: Iowa. (laughs) Morton.
6: Dying. I say dead.
5: Democratic presidential candidate Joseph Biden today faces a controversy. Three weeks ago at a debate at the Iowa State Fair, he used phrases identical to those delivered by British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock.
6: Biden seemed to be claiming Kinnock's vision and wife as his own. Why is it that my wife is sitting out there in the audience? is the first in her family to ever go to college. Why is the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? My ancestors who worked in the coal mines in Northeast Pennsylvania, who come up after 12 hours and play football. Eight hours underground, and then come up and play football. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. There was no platform upon which they could stand. The notion that every thought or notion or idea, you'd have to go back and find an attribute to someone, I think is, quite frankly, uh, ludicrous. The problem here is that Senator Biden told his audience he'd just been thinking about these things, and he failed to give any credit at all to his famous British speechwriter. You know, I was thinking on the way over here, well, now that's a little too much, because as you point out, what's behind the words, what's there? And there's
2: nothing there, of course, Sam Donaldson. This is uh, some just old video that has resurfaced and been posted. I wanted to share some of it with you, if for no other reason to rem- than to remind you of how extraordinarily important it is that we defend voting voting rights and and oppose voter fraud, make it easier to vote, but make it harder to cheat. Because cheating is what led us to this lying racist POS who has literally been lying his entire political career about who he is, what he has done, and beyond. He has absolutely not an original thought in his mind. He is being led around on puppet strings, and I want everybody to remember that. Peter Kirsten I will join us coming up right after this on AM 1420 The Answer.